Monday, the 5th of February, it is the Feast of St. Agatha of Sicily. Let's pray for her intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy on the poor and powerless. May you, O Christ, be their defense. We pray for the threatened and frightened, that you, O Christ, may be their protection. We pray for the convinced and the courageous, that you, O Christ, may be their guardian. God, the Father of mercies, you strengthen St. Agatha to bear torture and death rather than to forsake your Son, to whom her life was pledged. May she plead our cause before you, for she knew how to please you both in her consecration to virginity and in her courage in the face of martyrdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. Happy Feast of St. Agatha. I bet you there's a few Agathas out there listening today. Happy name day. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed. It is up and running at sunrisemorningshow.com. If you click to the show notes, you can watch it on your platform of choice for free. Uh, like, uh, you don't have to pay cable fees or anything. Up this hour, Kevin Schmeezing has a look at this week in Catholic history. We'll check out some Lenten resources from our Sunday visitor with Father Patrick Briscoe, because yes, Lent is fast approaching. Uh, Father John Gavin will discuss the new heavens and the new earth, what the Catechism says about them, and what the Church Fathers have to say about them. And since uh, we've got a feast of an early Christian martyr, might as well talk about Agatha of Sicily with Mike Aquilina from FathersoftheChurch.com, and we will do that at the end of the hour. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour, and uh, news is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said U.S. forces are carrying out President Biden's order for a serious response which is now underway. The comments come after two rounds of strikes in Syria, Iraq, and Yemen over the weekend. Sullivan noted the U.S. intends to take additional strikes to send a clear message that the United States will respond when our forces are attacked or Americans are killed. A long-awaited bipartisan deal to secure the U.S.-Mexico border and provide aid to allies has been unveiled. More from Mark Mayfield. The full bill comes in at just under $120 billion, with roughly $20 billion going towards the border. It provides aid to Israel and Ukraine, as well as other foreign policy priorities. In the deal, asylum screenings would be raised, with the practice known as catch and release done away with. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's going to bring it to the floor this coming week. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis says that peace is the responsibility of the entire human family. He made that plea for peace in the world again during his weekly Angelus address yesterday. He also reached out to those who are in Rome this week to commemorate the World Day of Prayer and Awareness awareness against human trafficking, which takes place on Thursday, the Feast of St. Josephine Bakita. The Holy Father said many young people are, quote, deceived with false promises 
and then subjected to exploitation and abuse. He called human trafficking a dramatic global phenomenon. The Holy Father has sent a message to a conference in Abu Dhabi that's marking the fifth anniversary of the document on human fraternity. In his message, the Holy Father focused on the importance of education, dialogue, and intellectual flexibility to achieve peace. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his message, Pope Francis warmly congratulated the organizers for the place and the theme chosen at a time when global fraternity and coexistence face challenges from injustices and wars, which he reiterated are always a defeat for humanity. He emphasized the importance of the Abu Dhabi document becoming a subject of research and reflection in educational institutions to foster new generations committed to peace building and social justice. The message remarked that the first cause of the evil of war is the lack of knowing and understanding others and underscored the importance of building mutual trust and changing negative perceptions of the other who is our brother in humanity to initiate peace process is acceptable for all, hence the crucial importance of education. Peace without an education based on respect and understanding of others holds no value, the Pope stressed. Pope Francis went on to highlight the importance of taking time to listening to the other and the role of genuine dialogue in understanding different perspectives. Indeed, the lack of listening is the second trap that hinders fraternity, he said. Creating spaces to welcome different opinions is not a waste of time, but a gain in humanity, the Pope insisted. Finally, Pope Francis advocated for an education in intellectual flexibility, aiming to make individuals more flexible, open and fraternal. Bringing his message to a close, the Pope urged participants not to let the dream of fraternity in peace remain confined fine to words and encourage them to embrace dialogue in all its richness, cultivating flexibility and listening to the world. I am Lisa Zingarini. A storm that's been hitting much of California hard is expected to bring dangerous conditions to Orange County and San Diego today and tomorrow. Eight Southern California counties have been placed under a state of emergency with the risk of flooding and high winds. Quaker Oats is expanding its nationwide recall of its granola bars. The company says its Quaker Chewy Dips Llama Rama bars have been added to a list of previously recalled products due to potential salmonella contamination. The affected products bear best before dates of February 10th or 11th, 2024, and were sold in all 50 states. This is the third recall announcement Quaker has made in the last three months. And one of the traditionally highest scoring football games, if that's what you can call it, of the season was decided by a goal line stand yesterday. The NFC forced an incomplete pass from Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud on the three-yard line to secure a 64-59 Pro Bowl flag football victory in Orlando. Seahawks gunslinger Geno Smith paced the NFC with 154 yards on 15 of 21 passing. Cowboys star receiver CeeDee Lamb caught three touchdowns, while, re- while Lions receiver Amon Ross St. Brown hauled in 10 balls for 117 yards and a score. It is the second straight season that Eli Manning and the NFC have beaten his brother Peyton and the AFC. You know, those guys are probably having the time of their lives, Eli and Peyton doing what they're doing now. But you have to think, like, 
they're picked every year now to coach mm-hmm. the greatest players in the league. Either their names ever come up when the coaching carousel goes around? Well, that's a good question. That's a good. That's a question. Or do they look at that and say, ah, you know, they can coach flag football, but can they do it? Can they do it for real? I mean, why would you want all of the stress of being a real head coach a when you real can just head coach have a blast just... with the best players of the world playing? flag football and, and then make, just podcasting yeah podcasting and making all kinds being of being a peanut gallery somewhere advertising yeah. why would you sign on to be an actual broadcaster when you can just do a peanut gallery yeah i so think that fun. to myself some mornings anna mitchell <laughs> so uh don't, another big thing over the don't weekend you leave me well i am sort of peanut gallery at this point in the show when you finish your news uh-huh. uh, but i i don't know if you got a chance uh, over the weekend to get your throat blessed did you no Oh, so actually, I was I was banking on a throat blessing after mass on Sunday. Yeah, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So uh, I went uh, to confession on Saturday morning, and they were finishing up uh, mass when I got there. Oh, nice! And they were doing the throat blessing, so I was like, "Hey, we'll get this taken care of." And then it turns out at my own parish on Sunday. They did a throat blessing as well, so, so I could gotta... have gotten doubled up, but I decided oh. to you know let other people. Because Anna Mitchell, to be honest. The lines were very long. There were two of them. Oh, wow. There were yeah. two lines, and I thought about it for a second, and I looked at both of them to see which line was shortest, and Anna Mitchell, you know what? They were neck and neck. Oh, come on. You got to give me that one. Ah. I do my best here on the show. I just smile and nod. Just the, the radio listeners think that she's being extremely mean to me. The people watching the, people the, watching the video know, know that I'm... No, she has to lean away from the microphones in this moment. I have to mute my mic. It is ten minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Kevin Schmeezing for a look at this week in Catholic history. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. As we do in so many weeks, let's look at some history involving a pope. This was Pope Clement IV back in 1265. Uh, he had an interesting life prior to the papacy. <clears throat> he was born Guido Le Gros into a noble family in France. He married, had two daughters, served in the French army, and then as a legal advisor to the king, who was at the time Louis IX, St. Louis. After Guido's wife died, he entered the priesthood, rose quickly through the ranks of the church, bishop, archbishop, cardinal. He was in France on a diplomatic errand for Pope Urban IV. When that pope died, the cardinal selected him in absentia to be Urban's successor. It was this week, February 5th, 1265. Now Pope Clement IV, he returned to Italy. The election had actually been held in Perugia, and Clement would live in Viterbo due to one of those all-too-common periods of political unrest in Rome. We've talked a lot about that over the years too, Matt. He was reform-minded as evidenced in his condemnation of nepotism and his warning that prospective suitors hoping to get rich dowries from marrying his daughters would be disappointed. His daughters apparently chose consecrated religious life in any event. Clement was consumed by political affairs in Italy where rivals were battling for control of the kingdom of Sicily and Naples. In Rome, he also sponsored a pretty important thinker as papal theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas. After a papacy of three and a half years, Clement died in 1268. Now, a postscript to the life of Pope Clement IV, the election process after his death was held in Viterbo, and it would last nearly three years. In the end, the cardinal electors were locked in their gathering place to compel them to agree to a pope, 
And this was the beginning of the tradition of the conclave, which is still with us. Pope Clement IV elected this week in 1265. Of course, conclave coming from the Latin conclave, clave meaning key, meaning we're going to lock you in there with a key until you all come exactly. out with the Pope. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, let's head to the USA for some uh, Catholic history for our next segment. They're known as the Spanish Martyrs of Virginia. They died this week in 1571. Most students of American history think of 1607, the founding of the Jamestown Colony, as the point of European contact in Virginia. But in fact, Catholic missionaries were there, albeit briefly, more than 25 years earlier. In the early 1560s, a Spanish expedition to the Chesapeake Bay made contact with native tribes, and one of the natives decided to join the Spanish, return to Spain, and learn European ways. He became known as Don Luis. He was baptized a Catholic, became fluent in Spanish, seems to have been fully assimilated into Spanish culture. At that point, Don Luis offered to guide missionaries back to his people in what is now Virginia. So a group of seven Jesuits and one layman who were based in Florida and led by Father Juan Segura followed Don Luis into the Virginia wilderness in the late summer of 1570. They worked among the Indians for several months with limited success, but soon Don Luis himself abandoned them, seems to have returned to native religion and morality. In early February, Don Luis and his allies ambushed three missionaries and killed them. A few days later, these dates aren't certain, but this was probably February 8th or 9th, so this week, 1571, the natives attacked the mission compound and killed the rest, including Father Segura. In 2002, the Diocese of Richmond formally opened a cause for the canonization for this group of martyrs, and so they are known as the Spanish Martyrs for Virginia, and they died this week in 1571. Fascinating story. You know, we talk about so many saints in the pipeline for the United States of America, and whenever we do, we have a short list of names we know and a short list of a lot of, or a longer list, rather, of a lot of names that are in the mix. So thanks for bringing our attention to some of those this morning. Kevin, we've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. You too. All right. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Kevin. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. Now, occasional rounds of showers and thunderstorms will fall in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina throughout the day. Otherwise, expect cloudy skies. Historic rainfall amounts are expected in Southern California, where three to six inches will fall across the coastal valley areas and six to 12 for the foothills and mountains. There's also the potential for strong thunderstorm gusts, which could enhance rainfall rates at times outside of those thunderstorms. It'll be very breezy to start out the day across California, but winds should calm down by this afternoon. Along the California-Nevada border, heavy snow will continue to pile on all day. Almost five to six feet of snow will fall at the highest elevations, with winds gusting as high as 90 miles per hour. Heavy snow will also fall at the highest elevations in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Elsewhere in the Mountain West, a mix of rain and snow will take place throughout the day. On and off snow showers in western Wyoming, southern Montana, and eastern Idaho. I can't believe I'm going beyond the weather music here. For the rest of the nation, areas of high pressure will stay overhead, bringing dry conditions and sunny skies. So at least we end on a high note there. It's quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you longing to hear God's voice? 
Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord, Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord, Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. EWTN's cathedrals across America and the Diocese of Oakland, California invite you to the world premiere of a new healing mass celebrated by the Most Reverend Michael C. Barber. Experience the healing power of sacred music honoring Our Lady of Lords on the World Day of the Sick from the Cathedral of Christ the Light. Holy Mass featuring Frank LaRocca's Meste Malade honoring Our Lady of Lords Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Television. 18 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East this coming after strikes began over the weekend. Pope Francis, in his Angelus address, affirmed that peace is the responsibility of the entire human family as he made another plea for peace around the world. And in his catechesis, the Holy Father focused on the Sunday gospel and encouraged the faithful to follow the Lord's example. You can hear the next newscast coming up in about 12 minutes from now at the bottom of the hour as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Matt is uh, heading off to Zanesville for tapings of The Journey Home this week. So uh, he opened up the show for us, but then had to skedaddle. I think the only reason that he even came on at all was so he could make that ridiculous neck and neck joke. That's just my theory on it. He didn't confirm or deny that before he left. But he did open with a prayer for today's feast, the Feast of St. Agatha. And we will be learning a lot more about her from Mike Aquilina at the end of the hour. One of the earliest Christian martyrs martyred in the middle of the third century, like around 250 A.D., in Sicily and is the patron saint against breast cancer. So um, those of you who have survived breast cancer, those of you who are in the midst of fighting breast cancer, please be assured of our prayers for you, especially 
on this feast of St. Agatha. But it's kind of amazing. I was just looking through her patronages. She's, of course, best known as the patron saint against breast cancer. Also against colic, against earthquakes. There are parts of her story that um, that allude to earthquakes happening at her death. She is the patron saint against fire, against natural disasters, against sterility, against volcanic erupted, uh, eruptions. Then patron saint of bell founders. I don't even know what a bell founder is, but that's kind of cool. Um, patron saint of jewelers, patron saint of martyrs. Did you know that there was a patron saint of martyrs? That's so cool that this particular martyrdom, so important in the history of the church, that she would be invoked as the patron of all martyrs. Saint Agatha, pray for us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. They're starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Why do we receive the gift of piety? We receive the gift of piety to make us love God as Father and to obey Him because we love Him. In the temporal world, we need the gift of piety in order to love our parents. We are pious when we respect them and obey them. In the eternal world, we need the gift of piety to help us love God not just God in the abstract, but God as Father, the one who gave birth to us in baptism, and the one who unites us to his Son through our redemptive adoption. The gift of piety then helps us to truly look upon God as he really is, not through our image of him, but as he manifests himself to us through Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, fill my heart with the gift of piety. Help me to obey the Father because I love him, and because he loves me. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Very happy to have you along with us this morning. Father Patrick Briscoe is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, editor of our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Good morning. I'm catching you just as I head off for my pre-lunch retreat. It's a great time to join you. Where are you headed? Uh, with a group of priests, and uh, we're going to have a great time praying and uh, relaxing before the swing of Lent is upon us. Yeah, I bet. Do, do you think, just, I'm curious, pre-priesthood, post-priesthood, which is more intense for you when it comes to Lent? 
Oh, definitely post-priesthood. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, because in addition to uh, all, the, all the sacrifices and penances that we undertake as Catholics, uh, the Church provides many of opportunities for her priests to be of service to the faithful. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those add a certain, certain degree of, uh, of sacrifice, I would say. What was it like during your novitiate for Lent? Um, did, the, did, did your novice master pick your penance for you? Yes, assigned, and you know, as a religious, we undertake um, communal penances, and that's one of the things that's so particular about penance um, is that it's more effective when we undertake these things together. Mm-hmm. Now, that's why the Friday abstinence is so important, undertake that as a, as a church, and to take on penances, you know, with our families, with our friends, um, with, with our communities, because that, that collective action both gives support to the people undertaking it, um, but but is is more effective um, in the eyes of in the eyes of heaven. Absolutely. So Lent just about a week away. Um, definitely time for all of us to to start lining up what we want to do in terms of of Lenten devotions and and whatnot. Um, remind us of what my daily visitor is all about. I know that's something you've been doing for for Lent and Advent and I mean other times as well. Yeah, this is a great opportunity, you know, and I'm so pleased to be able to offer it to your listeners. You can join tens of thousands of Catholics for free on a, on a beautiful Lenten journey uh, with my daily visitors. So it's a devotional that arrives in your inbox every morning. There's a short video and a reflection from me, so some people like to watch and watch the video and, and listen to the reflection. Other people just prefer to read it there in the email. Um, so everything is provided, and it's all-encompassing, and it provides a little meditation, on the daily gospel, so if you're a daily mass goer, it's the kind of thing you might appreciate. But if you, if you can't get the daily mass, there's also a strong benefit there, opening the scriptures for you. There's a short prayer, and then there's a, an action tip, a little challenge for each day. And why do you think—well, this is so—I uh, didn't expect our conversation to start off the way that it did, but when you were talking— i got to keep you on your toes. Well, you know? you, oh my you get gosh. a little complacent over there on the other side of the you have no idea, Father. You have no idea. Yeah, I come in with a plan, and you just throw it all off. But this is so interesting, um, the the idea of, of having this, this corporate nature to, to our penances, to our devotions, um, particularly when it comes to Lent, by diving into the daily readings, that puts us in touch with the whole body of Christ on a daily basis. Absolutely, that's right. So we're just living, living the liturgy more deeply, um, which, is, which is such an important thing in general in our Catholic life, but is heightened by the particular graces of the liturgy in the Lenten season. So do you have all of these, you, I imagine, recorded at least most of them ahead of time? Well, you know, you don't want to let the secrets of Hollywood out. Well, but, of course. Uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, I'd be remiss too. I'd be remiss too if I didn't offer listeners the chance to purchase the booklet because some people say, "Father, you know, I I have enough on my phone or in my emails." So there's also mm-hmm. a beautiful companion booklet that we produce that that is available for people to take with them um, to an adoration chapel or to, to pray in their, their local parish church. Absolutely, but it's I mean, you have to pay for it, but it's super cheap. It's like four bucks or something, right? Less than a cup of coffee. Yep, absolutely. But the reason that why I asked whether you recorded ahead of time is that. I, I presume that you have reviewed all of the readings through um, at least most of the season of Lent. And I'm wondering, how do the themes of, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving kind of thread throughout the Lenten season? 
Right. So those are the you know the three main ways that Catholics have find find uh, additional spaces for God in our lives. Right. By being more attentive to the way He speaks to us, we all believe that Jesus speaks to us, that He calls us to to know Him more completely in our prayer. Um, in fasting, we 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 heighten our senses. You know, we begin mm-hmm. to tame all the little ways that that we uh, move away from God in the life of the passion. So fasting is really about ordering our passions, our desires. To God and almsgiving is about practicing charity. Uh, any kind of active work that we do in the name of Jesus um, to to witness to His kingdom here on this earth. Um, now. I don't know if this was deliberate. I was reading over at um, my daily visitor just the description of of what this devotional is all about, and and the description says um, well that you have this and you mentioned this this action item, um, but it's interesting. It's like a suggestion for each day. The description says to live. Lent well, not say like do or practice Lent well, but to live it. I don't know if I'm making too much of that word live it, but do you think that that there's an important distinction to be made? Yeah, it was super intentional, actually. I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, one of the temptations is to compartmentalize our life of faith. Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea of My Daily Visitor is to help people to integrate their faith throughout their whole life during the Lent. So how can listeners sign up to receive My Daily Visitor? Visit MyDailyVisitor.com. That's MyDailyVisitor.com and sign up to receive the free Lenten devotional every day in your inbox. Awesome. And you can find that linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Father Patrick, really appreciate you coming on uh, from the airport this morning (laughs) just ahead of your retreat. We'll be praying for you. Thanks so much for having me on. Pray for safe travels and a good retreat. All right. God bless. Absolutely. God bless you. Thanks, Father. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said yesterday U.S. forces are carrying out President Biden's order for a, quote, serious response, which is now underway. The comments came after two rounds of strikes in Syria, Iraq and Yemen over the weekend. Sullivan noted the U.S. intends to take additional strikes to send a clear message that the U.S. will respond when our forces are attacked or Americans are killed. Meanwhile, Pope Francis says peace is the responsibility of the entire human family. The Holy Father made another appeal for peace in the world in his Angelus address yesterday. He also reached out to those in Rome this week to commemorate the World Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking, which is this Thursday, the Feast of St. Josephine Bikita. The Holy Father said many young people are deceived with false promises and then subjected to exploitation and abuse. He called human trafficking a dramatic global phenomenon. In his Angelus Address Catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday Gospel, encouraging the faithful to follow the Lord's example. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. Follow the Lord's example and set forth transmitting faith and hope in our loving God. The Holy Father urged the faithful to look at Jesus' ongoing movement, observing it tells us something important about God and at the same time challenges us with some questions on our faith. 
Jesus, the Pope went on to say, goes toward wounded humanity and shows us the face of the Father. While some, the Pope observed, still may perceive somewhat of a distant God, on the contrary, he says, the gospel lets us see that Jesus, after teaching in the synagogue, goes out so that the word he has preached may reach, touch, and heal people. By doing this, the Pope said, Jesus reveals to us that God is not a detached master who speaks to us from on high. On the contrary, he is a father filled with love who makes himself close to us who visits our homes. We might ask ourselves, Pope Francis suggested, have we discovered the face of God as the Father of mercy? Or do we believe and proclaim a cold and distant God? Do we pray just to feel at peace? Or does the word we listen to and preach make us go out like Jesus toward others to spread God's consolation? Let us look, Pope Francis urged, at Jesus' journeying and remind ourselves that our first spiritual task is this, to abandon the God we think we know and to convert every day to the God Jesus presents to us in the gospel, the Father of love and compassion. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. A long-awaited bipartisan deal to secure the U.S.-Mexico border and provide aid to Ukraine has been unveiled. The full bill totals just under $120 billion, with roughly $20 billion going towards the border. It provides aid to Israel and Ukraine, as well as other foreign policy priorities. In the deal, asylum screenings would be raised with the practice known as catch and release done away with. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would be bringing it to the floor this week. A storm that's been hitting much of California hard is expected to bring dangerous conditions to Orange County and San Diego today and tomorrow. Eight Southern California counties have been placed under a state of emergency with the risk of flooding and high winds. The National Weather Service called yesterday one of the most dramatic weather days in recent memory. Nearly 700,000 customers were without power across the state as of early this morning. Former President Trump says it'll be a little while before he selects a running mate, but did mention some names. Mark Mayfield reports. Speaking on Fox Sunday Morning Futures, Trump said he talks to everybody and has a lot of good people in mind. He singled out South Carolina Senator and former GOP presidential candidate Tim Scott, saying he told Scott he's a much better candidate for Trump than he was for himself. Trump said he also likes South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who he said commented publicly she would never run against him because she could never beat him. Despite reports that the Trump campaign reached out to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Trump said it never happened. I'm Mark Mayfield. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35. The Sunrise Morning Show. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. The truly patient person bears up equally under ignominious tribulations and those that are honorable to be despised, criticized, or accused by evil men is something that a courageous man does not mind. But it takes a lot of virtue to accept being criticized and badly treated by good people, by our relatives and friends. I have often said that he who is not humble is not chaste. I say this because God is accustomed to allow the proud to fall into the most heinous sins to teach them a lesson, and to correct spiritual pride. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on this feast of St. Agatha, early Christian martyr. Pray for us. Father John Gavin joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So today we get to chat about two quotes from two fathers of the church, St. Irenaeus and St. Cyril of Jerusalem, on the hope of the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, This coming in the catechism uh, just after the part about the final judgment. So set this up for us. Sure. So we've been looking at the four last things in this review of the uh, profession of faith in the Catechism, and so we looked at uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, and purgatory as well. And now this section is speaking about the consummation of history in the resurrection. It builds on this image of a new heaven and a new earth that we get from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, when John tells us, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So John, in this vision, is seeing the fulfillment of all things and the transformation of all things in Christ, in the resurrection, the object of our hope. What a vision that must have been. Yes. (laughs) Goodness gracious. So um, let's start with the St. Irenaeus quote, which comes from paragraph 1047. It says, The visible universe, then, is itself destined to be transformed, so that the world itself, restored to its original state, facing no further obstacles, should be at the service of the just, sharing their glorification in the risen Jesus Christ. Where does this quote come from? 
So this, of course, we've we've noticed along the way, Irenaeus is quoted heavily in the Catechism. We we come back to him again and again. And this comes from his Against the Heresies, uh, Book 5, and he is talking about, at this point in the work, the consummation of all things in Christ. And as we heard in that passage, it especially uh, St. Irenaeus focuses on the resurrection, but the restoration of creation itself, that uh, what this idea of the new heaven and the new earth suggests to us is not only are we speaking about the resurrection of humanity, but also uh, something new in creation itself, that God draws all things into this great gift that we receive in Christ. In fact, in the same uh, section, St. Irenaeus goes on, it's not only a restoration of creation to its unfallen state, but a, an elevation and transformation. He says uh, later in the passage, but when this present fashion of things passes away, and man has been renewed and flourishes in an incorruptible state, so as to preclude the possibility of becoming old, then there shall be a new heaven and a new earth, in which the new man shall remain continually always holding fresh converse with God. And he centers it on this union with God, this eternal relationship with God, uh, body and soul uh, in uh, this new heaven and this new earth. Well, this is so fascinating, the idea, what stood out to me in this quote, talking about the world itself restored to its original state. And you mm. think about that in terms of, of humankind, of course, and you think about Adam and Eve before the fall. But what is so cool, I guess, so mystifying, like just what was that like, creation before the fall? I mean, St. Mm -hmm. Paul talks about this, right? That, that creation is, is, is groaning in anticipation right. for this day. Right. In fact, that passage, Romans 8, is, is quoted uh, also in this section of the Catechism, that uh, the, the Fathers speak much about how, in, and this is a mystery, we don't, we don't know how exactly this will be, but that all of creation in some way will be participating in resurrected humanity. I mean, because we are both body and spirit, uh, we will draw the the. the corporeal, the material, into this great celebration in the Lord. And it, and it is a mystery, but they also emphasize throughout, um, this is going to be something new, and it will be God's recreation and elevation, not ours. Because it's not just, as he says here, an extension of this way of being, right? right. Uh, just going on and on, like so much of science promises us will have but rather this is something completely new in this participation and intimacy with God. Wow. Well, let's get to the St. Cyril quote so that we uh, you know, don't mm. uh, shortchange him. So this is paragraph mm -hmm. 1050. When we have spread on earth the fruits of our nature and our enterprise, according to the command of the Lord and in his spirit, we will find them once again cleansed this time from stain of sin, illuminated and transfigured when Christ presents to his Father an eternal and universal kingdom. God will then be all in all 
in eternal life. And now the quote from St. Cyril, true and subsistent life consists in this, the Father through the Son and in the Holy Spirit, pouring out his heavenly gifts on all things without exception. Thanks to his mercy, we too, men that we are, have received the inalienable promise of eternal life. Talk Mm. about where this quote comes from. So this comes from a collection of catechetical lectures, uh, preparation uh, for those who are going to receive the sacrament of baptism by uh, Cyril, who was bishop in Jerusalem at the end of the 4th century. And it's just a marvelous quote, because what it emphasizes is that this new heaven and this new earth, the, the resurrected state, the fulfillment of the kingdom, is going to be this intimate conversation, shall we say, with the Trinity. Right? He emphasizes Father, Son, and Spirit pouring out their heavenly gifts on all things. Uh, that the focus is being coming part of this intimate union of Father, Son, and Spirit uh, will be our gift individually and as a community in the, uh, in the new formation of this new heaven and this new earth. Well, and it also hits home the point that um, I forget where I was reading it in in this section of the catechism, which paragraph it was, but talking about the, the importance of our working for justice here mm-hmm. on earth, but knowing that our work is not what is going to bring about this new heaven and earth. And this stresses, of course, that it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who are doing that. Absolutely. It, it then takes away that, that uh, idea that we somehow can bring about the kingdom with our own efforts, our, our knowledge, our skills, our science. You know, we can look at history and know that we have not, not come anywhere near that. In the end, uh, really, it's the outpouring of the gifts of Father, Son, and Spirit that will bring about the kingdom. Yes, we work for justice, but the reality is we are wholly dependent on God. And what will be brought about is not just a natural kingdom, but this great gift of sharing in God's divine life. Well, we work for justice because we have God's life in us. How can we not work for justice? Absolutely. Uh, And when we see each and every person made in the image and likeness of God, we must respond rightly, as our Lord did, in healing, preaching the gospel, uh, and uh, bringing, uh, bringing all to the life that he offers. A really beautiful section in the Catechism on the hope of the new heaven and the new earth in paragraphs 1042 through 1050, if you'd like to go read it. For yourself some really mind-blowing things in this section of the catechism that is for sure we've been talking about them with father john gavin and you can find his book mysteries of the lord's prayer linked at sunrisemorningshow.com father thank you thank you and god bless you too father thank you very much all right coming up next on the sunrise morning show mike aquilina joins us to talk about today's saint agatha it's 14 till Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. 
And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Are you having trouble in your marriage and don't know where to turn? Has your spouse stopped going to Mass with you? Has infidelity taken place in your marriage? Have money issues put your relationship on a bumpy road? Do you have issues with your in-laws? Hi, I'm Janet Williams. Join me and my husband, Jack Williams. We talk about marriage and how we are to lead our spouse to the faith. It's Marriage Monday on Women of Grace at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East, this coming after two rounds of strikes in Syria, Iraq, and Yemen over the weekend. Pope Francis prayed again for peace, calling it the responsibility of the entire human family during his Angelus address yesterday. And the Holy Father has sent a message to a conference celebrating the fifth anniversary of the document on human fraternity, calling for education, dialogue, and intellectual flexibility to achieve peace. Next newscast in about 15 minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's 10 till now. Matt? From fathersofthechurch.com, we're joined now by Mike Aquilina to talk about one of the saints that shows up in the earliest days of the church and actually we hear about in the liturgy, St. Agatha. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. So Agatha, I think a lot of people would be familiar with at least her name from the fact that she shows up in that litany that we hear in one of the Eucharistic prayers. Uh, yeah, she's one of the, the seven women who, uh, who are there with the Virgin Mary and are, are commemorated in the, the first Eucharistic prayer, the Roman canon, and which was the only Eucharistic prayer uh, in the West for, for, for many centuries. So she's there in that, that, uh, that great lineup, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia. There's Agatha right in the middle. And, uh, and, uh, and, and she, she's always been close to me because, um, because I spent many years in St. Agatha Parish here in Britain. Ridgeville, Pennsylvania, and I still go to church there, but the, 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 the parish has changed its name a couple times since then. 
So what in the world did Agatha do to get listed in one of the early, and at that point, the only Eucharistic prayer? It's as much what she didn't do as what she did. You know, uh, she she didn't cave in to pressure. Uh, she didn't give up Jesus Christ. She didn't renounce him uh, as the law demanded. This was this was uh, during the persecution of Decius, the emperor Decius, in in the the middle of the third century, so around to the year two fifty. Um, and it was the first kind of large-scale persecution of the Christians, where the, the Roman government decided, you know what, we're just going to wipe these people out, and we're going to make it almost impossible for them to get away. So, uh, you know, you had to have this ticket, this libellus, um, if you were to, to, um, to continue with your life. You know, you had to be able to show that ticket. And the ticket proved that you had offered sacrifice. So, uh, so if you didn't have one of those, you were identified as a Christian, uh, you were given the choice to offer sacrifice or die, and, and, you know, many Christians died. Some Christians did commit apostasy. You know, Agatha was someone who was pursued uh, because, because a, a young man wanted to marry her. And so he had his sights set on her. She said, no, I'm a consecrated virgin. You know, she was, she was like a nun living during that time, and, and she had given herself to Christ. She refused his, his overtures, but he persisted. He kept after her and, uh, and stalked her and, uh, and eventually denounced her, thinking that if she was faced with torture, she would turn around, and she didn't. Uh, she, uh, she withstood the pressure. She underwent the terrible tortures, um, uh, hor- horrific tortures, and uh, and still she persevered. She persisted, and and it seems miraculously uh, was able to courageously withstand uh, the worst that the Romans could could throw at her. And uh, and and finally she died. Uh, her martyrdom was recorded very early, and she was venerated immediately. You know, we have churches dedicated to her in Rome, even though she was from far off Sicily. And uh, and we have her mentioned in um, in the lives of the saints all over the all over the world all over the Greco-Roman world uh, very soon after her death. So um, so yeah, there was a cult of her her honor very early. And of course, some of those horrific tor- tortures have led to her being the patron saint of all who suffer from breast cancer. But I want to go back to that idea of her being in that Eucharistic prayer to begin with. You know, you and I and all of our listeners are very modern people here in the 21st century. But how would it have sounded to the Greco-Roman world to hear the names of Agatha and a bunch of other women proclaimed as heroes and models before the assembly? Well, you may be the first human being to call me a very modern person. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> but, by comparison. But, but you know, uh, but 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 you know, you're you're pointing out something very important that in that world, in the world of of, of Roman domination, women counted for nothing. They really didn't have uh, any rights. They they they, uh, they they were treated as as perpetual children. Uh, they were not able to give testimony in a court of law. All of the Roman epics are about male heroes, and the males were warriors who eviscerated uh, their, the, the vanquished. Uh, so so they're, they have a certain caste to them. What's interesting about Christianity is that so many of its epic heroes from those early centuries were women. It seemed to turn the, uh, the Roman ideas on their head, and the Romans noticed this and mocked the Christians for it. But the, 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 the Christian women were able to show this, this amazing courage, more than manly courage, and, uh, and, 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 and be 
kind of um, of, of models of fortitude that the the, the pagans, uh, the Greco-Roman pagans, were not seeing among their men. So we have very early all of these these saints whom we still remember today in the first Eucharistic prayer. We have others like Blandina who were renowned for their courage and their their endurance uh, through torture. This is. A, a sea change. This is a, a vast cultural change. As soon as Christianity becomes dominant, then we see women coming to the forefront, founding new institutions like the hospital, like the almshouse, like the, the, the orphanage, all of these things to take care of the downtrodden. So the epic heroes of Christianity were heroes not of, of, uh, of murder, not of slaughter, but of charity. And so many of them were women. Yeah, it's pretty incredible just to look back and see the model of someone like St. Agatha or St. Agnes, who we just celebrated, or Lucy, or some of the others that make it into that same prayer. Um, that These are not—I mean, these are young women, I think, is the other thing, that these are not, you know, older, wizened grandmothers who have, you know, lived this long life of, uh, you know, visible faith and raised many people in it. These are women who are—I mean, they're young. Yes. Yes, and they're giving everything to Jesus. You know, we are capable of that kind of love. We're capable of it at every age, and that's what they teach us even today. Well, Mike, I'm sorry I called you modern earlier. By that, I only meant that you have indoor plumbing. But uh, if our listeners want to connect with you, where do they go? <laughs> Fathersofthechurch.com. And you can find fathersofthechurch.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Matt. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show up next for most of our listeners here on EWTN Radio. Hope you can stay with us. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. Continuing our way on this Monday, February the 5th, the Feast of St. Agatha. Christ is the spouse and crowning glory of virgins. Let us praise him with joy in our voices and pray to him with sincerity in our hearts. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, crown of virgins, hear us. Christ, the holy virgins loved you as their one true spouse. Grant that nothing may separate us from your love. You crowned Mary, your mother, queen of virgins. Through her intercession, let us continually serve you with pure hearts. Your handmaids were always careful to love you with whole and undivided attention that they might be holy in body and spirit. Through their intercession, grant that the lure of this passing world may not distract our attention from you. Lord, let your forgiveness be won for us by the pleading of St. Agatha, who found favor with you by her chastity and by her courage in suffering death for the gospel. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Hour 2 of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Matt Swaim is now headed off to 
tape some more episodes of the journey home so he'll be off on a flight here in just a little while so please pray for his safety in travels today he'll be back with us again tomorrow up this hour Teresa Tamio joining us from EWTN's Catholic Connection, fresh off the Good News Marriage Cruise. Dr. Jeffrey Morrow will continue our Old Testament Bible study. Bear Wozniak will be along. This is a conversation that he recorded with Matt ahead of time to share with you. And uh, they will be talking about more about 12 Rules for Manliness. And then we will wrap things up for the hour with Stephanie Mann. And uh, we're continuing to look at English martyrs and confessors through Father Henry Sebastian Bowden's book. And uh, today we're gonna be looking at the story of a woman named Margaret Powell, whom Father Bowden calls a confessor. So hope you can stick around for the entire hour ahead. Right now it's three minutes past. News is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. More retaliatory airstrikes are expected as the U.S. and U.K. target Houthi rebels in Yemen. Pentagon officials say the latest airstrikes hit 36 sites, including underground weapons facilities, in response to attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said U.S. forces are carrying out President Biden's order for a, quote, serious response which is now underway. Meanwhile, in Washington, a long-awaited bipartisan deal to secure the U.S.-Mexico border and provide aid to allies has been unveiled. More from Mark Mayfield. The full bill comes in at just under $120 billion, with roughly $20 billion going towards the border. It provides aid to Israel and Ukraine, as well as other foreign policy priorities. In the deal, asylum screenings would be raised with the practice known as catch and release done away with. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's going to bring it to the floor this coming week. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis says that peace is the responsibility of the entire human family. He made another appeal for peace around the world during his Angelus address yesterday. He also reached out to those in Rome this week to commemorate the World Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking this Thursday the Feast of St. Josephine Bakita. Pope Francis said many young people are deceived with false promises and then subjected to exploitation and abuse. The Holy Father has also sent a message to a conference in Abu Dhabi marking the fifth anniversary of the document on human fraternity, which he signed. In the message, the Holy Father focused on the importance of education, dialogue, and intellectual flexibility to achieve peace. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In his message, Pope Francis warmly congratulated the organisers for the place and the theme chosen at a time when global fraternity and coexistence face challenges from injustices and wars, which he reiterated are always a defeat for humanity. He emphasised the importance of the Abu Dhabi document becoming a subject of research and reflection in educational institutions to foster new generations committed to peace-building and social justice. The message remarked that the first cause of the evil of war is the lack of knowing and understanding others and underscored the importance of building mutual trust and changing negative perceptions of the other who is our brother in humanity to initiate peace processes. 
process is acceptable for all, hence the crucial importance of education. Peace without an education, based on respect and understanding of others, holds no value, the Pope stressed. Pope Francis went on to highlight the importance of taking time to listening to the other and the role of genuine dialogue in understanding different perspectives. Indeed, the lack of listening is the second trap that hinders fraternity, he said. Creating spaces to welcome different opinions is not a waste of time, but a gain in humanity, the Pope insisted. Finally, Pope Francis advocated for an education in intellectual flexibility, aiming to make individuals more flexible, open and fraternal. Bringing his message to a close, the Pope urged participants not to let the dream of fraternity in peace remain confined fine to words and encourage them to embrace dialogue in all its richness, cultivating flexibility and listening to the world. I am Lisa Zingarini. Vice President Kamala Harris is heading to Savannah tomorrow to continue her pro-abortion tour. Harris is scheduled to make an appearance in the city tomorrow to speak about abortion in a post-Roe world. The White House says this will be the first stop on the third stop, rather, the third stop on the so-called Fight for Reproductive Freedom Tour. Quaker Oats is expanding its nationwide recall of granola bars. The company says its Quaker Chewy Dips Llama Rama bars have been added to the list of previously recalled products due to potential salmonella contamination. The affected products bear best of dates, best before dates of February 10th or 11th, 2024, and were sold in all 50 states. This is the third recall announcement Quaker has made in the past three months. And it's Super Bowl week. Opening night kicks off tonight in Las Vegas, where the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs will speak to the media. Players and coaches will make their only public appearance before taking to the field for Super Super Bowl 58 at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Opening night is also only time, the only time both teams will be together in one location before the big game. San Francisco is representing the NFC following its win over, sorry, Teresa, the Detroit Lions in the conference title game. Kansas City is making its fourth Super Bowl appearance in five seasons after a victory over the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC championship game. Always a fun week. Although... Teresa Tamio, who is joining us now from EWTN's Catholic Connection. I am sorry that the Lions are not in it. Yeah, it was a bummer. We watched the game on the pool deck during the uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Good News Cruise. We had all the Michiganders up there. We were cheering. and uh, But you know what? They they did so well in this past season. And we look at what happened with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and how he worked up to that national championship. So they're on their way, I think. I think they'll uh, be there soon. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 they had a great season. So, yeah. how was the Good News Marriage Cruise? It was amazing. We had uh, over eight hundred uh, people, so over four hundred couples. Wow. Yeah, it was a sellout. And you know, it's it's interesting how large these ships are. Annie, we were on the Adventure of the Seas, which is now considered one of their average size ships. They hold close to four thousand, maybe thirty eight hundred people. Oh my gosh! And and Deacon Dominic and I were on the original sailing of the Adventure of the Seas many years ago. Uh, and w- at that time, it was the largest ship on the ocean. Now you've got the Icon of the Seas, which just launched. You've got the Star of the Seas, which is coming out this summer. It's crazy. Or next summer in 2025, these ships are floating hotels. They're, they're engineering marvels. But most importantly, everyone had a great time. You laughed, you cried. Uh, the talks are very moving. It, it was just an incredible, an incredible week. So next year, 
I know one of your favorite people, Sister Joseph Andrew from the Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, is going to be a keynote. Peter and Debbie Herbeck, uh, Dr. Ray Grundy, Deacon Dominic, God willing, and then Alan Sally Crestus. So all kinds of great stuff. Oh, and Father Mike Schmitz is going to be with us the entire week next year in 2025. So uh, you got to check that out, goodnewscruise.com. Wow. Uh, Father Mike was there with you this time around, right? Yes, but he he was at an event. Uh, He had to come in in the middle of the week. So he flew in, uh, landed in Haiti. I think it was on Tuesday, and then stayed the rest of the week with us. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a little hectic. Last year I flew out in the middle of the cruise. Deacon Dom and I had to head out from Jamaica to make the March for Life. So I remember that's, that. Yeah, that's stressful when you do that. But uh, next year he's going to be with us the entire year, God willing. So, yeah, it was a great week. That's incredible. So what, what, what came out of it for you? Well, I just think um, the appreciation of having that time together as a married couple, I think— if you've never done anything like this before, when you're there with like-minded people, given all the attacks on marriage and family, it just makes such a difference to know that, A, you're not alone. And the neat thing was is the way uh, Corporate Travel uh, designed it is they had so many different – we had all kinds of keynotes, but then we had so many different breakout sessions. Like we had a breakout session with Dr. Ray for grandparents. So we had mm-hmm. another breakout session with the Hernans, Alicia and Mike Hernan, who do family, the Messy Family Project on, wow. on parenting. So there are a lot of neat different breakouts. And we had a wine tasting with me and Dom and a beer tasting with Father Joe Krupp. So there are a lot of specialty events in addition to the keynotes. And it was kind of like a, as we called it, a festival atmosphere where you can't possibly go to everything, but you get to tailor make it to what you're, what you're interested in. So I think mainly people appreciating the effort that went into it and, and just having a lot of fun. The last night we always do a closing a dance party, and we oh, posted and pictures on Facebook. That, no doubt. Right, the dancing yeah. queen and the cruise queen. So I got everybody <laughs> out there doing the line dancing, and the, the the dance floor was packed. I mean, it was so fun. I, I stood up in the in the back and took a big picture, a wide shot, and I don't think there was one person except me taking pictures that wasn't on the dance floor. So fun, faith filled week, and then we're going into marriage week, which starts on Wednesday, That's February seventh. Awesome. Oh, I'm yeah. looking at the picture now. I just pulled up Facebook. Yep. Oh, you see it? Yep. <laughs> Everybody with their hands in the air. That does Party look... on the dance floor. <laughs> yep. Well, you were, I remember you just, you know, leading the dancing at my uh-huh. my wedding reception 10 years ago. So I can only imagine that you've gotten better at it. Um, but you mentioned that uh, it's National Marriage Week coming up. Yeah. Kind of an interesting year for this, isn't it? Because, uh, I mean, it's always kind of in conjunction with, with Valentine's Day, which makes a lot right. of sense. But Valentine's mm-hmm. Day this year is Ash Wednesday. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I got interviewed by the National Catholic Register regarding making suggestions for, for couples. Do we sure. celebrate on Ash Wednesday or do we celebrate before or after and I was saying that this year we'll be celebrating after for me and Deacon Dom because we're going to be emceeing the World Marriage Day dinner, and they're doing it cool. a week after, because normally it's on Sunday, the Sunday closest to um, Valentine's Day. So that would be technically on the books of the day. World Marriage Day is February 11th, but we're going to have our World Marriage Day dinner in, in the Archdiocese of Detroit on the 18th because February 11th is the Super Bowl. So we realize that <laughs> despite the fact that the Lions didn't get in it, I, we realize that a lot of people are still interested in the game. So we're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day and World Marriage Day in Detroit, in our area, on February 18th. So maybe doing something outside of Valentine's Day, going to dinner the week before or the week after, or maybe using Valentine's Day because it is Ash Wednesday just to spend some really special prayer and couple time together. Yeah, you know? go to Mass together. Yeah. It's yeah, always a great a way to celebrate your marriage, for sure, yeah. is mm-hmm. uh, to to go and celebrate the Eucharist. 
Yep, and, and the theme this year is Love Beyond Words. So USCCB has a great website, foryourmarriage.org, so I'd ask people to check that out. And then if you just wanted to take a look at World Marriage Day uh, and, and look that up, that was actually something that was blessed uh, many, many years ago by uh, John Paul II, of course, now Pope St. John Paul II. It's a way to recognize marriage, especially with everything that's going on in terms of the attacks on marriage as it is you know, with between one man and one woman as God ordained it. So great week. Teresa, why is this such a big deal for you, advocating for marriage? Well, because by all, by practical, um, you know, reasoning, and uh, if you, <laughs> it's, um, it's unbelievable if you can, Dom and I just celebrated 40 years of marriage. I mean, our whole testimony and journey is built around the fact that God saved our marriage when it didn't seem like it was even possible to save, and we shared our testimony on the ship. We did a reversion story and tied it in with a favorite song of ours by Stephen Curtis Chapman called Remember to Remember. Mm. Uh encouraging people to remember both the good times and the bad and see how God was there with you. And so we know that there's help available, and we want to let people know that it's not hopeless. So, yeah, it's a big part of our ministry. And we do this not only for uh, regular retreats, Annie, but we're really passionate about sharing it with diaconate couples because, believe it or not, some diaconate couples are really struggling because when you first get into ministry, there's a lot of pressure to do everything, and that, that causes a lot of problems in the marriage. So, yeah, it means a lot to us, and, and we love doing it and just love seeing And people are so gracious for EW10 and Catholic Radio. They stop us all the time and thank us for what we do, and, and not just Ave Maria Radio and my program, but your program and overall EW10. Really appreciate the network and, and what it gives to us. It's so, so important because it's, it's kind of like it's a lifeline for so many people. Yeah. So glad you know? to hear it. So glad yeah. to hear it. And so grateful that we get to be a part of that yep. whole lineup on EWTN. Speaking of which, um, when are you back on the show, T? Uh, tomorrow. Sherry Brownrigg is filling in for me today because oh, cool. I'll be on a plane while she's on the air. So That's we're heading fabulous. out to the airport shortly and uh, God willing to be back on the air tomorrow. I call her Aunt Sherry. Auntie Sherry. Auntie Sherry. Just like my kids <laughs> Auntie call Auntie T and Auntie Sherry. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we'll look forward to tuning in to Sherry today and look forward to having you back on the show tomorrow. Okay, team. sweetie. Thank you so much. Get your boogie shoes on. Yeah, man. You got okay. it. Okay. You All got right. it. Ciao, Have ciao. a good day. Bye-bye. Safe travels. All right. 16 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, 
go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Hi, this is Mike Aquilina with a few words about St. Athanasius. St. Athanasius really embodies holy intransigence. I think from Athanasius, we learn a certain kind of holy stubbornness. We learn how to doggedly stand by the faith in our own time when it faces new challenges. We've got to be there to stand up for it, even if it means you against the world. This is what we're called to do in our time. It's always nice to hear Mike Aquilina. I actually have in my hands his book, Fathers of the Faith, on St. Athanasius. If you want to pick up a copy, it's from our Sunday visitor. Anyway, 18 past now. It's time for headlines. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iranian-backed groups in the Middle East, this coming after two rounds of strikes in the Middle East over the weekend. Pope Francis said peace is the responsibility of the entire human family. He did so during his Angelus address yesterday as he called again for peace around the world. And the Holy Father sent a message to a conference in Abu Dhabi marking the anniversary of the document on human fraternity. Next newscast in about 11-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on EWTN Radio. So, folks, if you're not watching the video stream of the Sunrise Morning Show, you really should. Um, You were listening to us talk to Teresa Tamio just a few minutes ago, and she was talking about that dance party, and I went on Facebook and, you know, looked at the picture. Travis also did the same thing. Oh, look, he just put up the picture again. If you're watching the video stream, Travis is like, he's on it. He went and found the picture, and now those of you watching the video stream can see the dance party that Teresa was leading on the Good News Marriage Cruise. It's pretty good. Lots of people, hands in their ears, hands in the air. wonder if they were... I'm betting that that was... Um, oh, gosh. I feel good. Is that right? When they start with their hands in the air? I think it's I feel good. I forget. Anyway. You're missing out if you're not watching the video stream. I mean, you can also see the incredible bags under my eyes. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to see that, right? It's a very humbling experience to be live streaming, but we are so happy to do it all in an effort to reach people wherever they like to consume their media. So uh, you can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube, and you can find a link every day in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jeffrey Morrow is next. It's 21 past. Subscribe to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, 
go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Accept, O Lord, this appeal for pardon wrung from our afflicted and repentant souls. We ask pardon, O Divine Heart, for public scandals and evil living, for all who corrupt thy little ones, for crimes in families, the sins of parents and children. We ask pardon, O Divine Heart, for those who traffic in public crime, for those who lead and lure souls to eternal damnation by riches and corrupt literature, for those who excite evil passions by immodest fashions. We ask pardon, O Divine Heart, for all attacks against our Holy Father, the Pope, for all organized disobedience against Holy Mother, the Church, for all weak and straying souls, for sinners who resist grace, for all abuse of the sacraments, or any outrage against the Holy Eucharist. Amen. It's time for our weekly Old Testament Bible study here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament from Ascension Press, and you can pick up your own copy at ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. We're back with one of the contributors, Dr. Jeffrey Morrow. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. It is wonderful to be back with you, and uh, you have the unhappy task of... uh, unpacking the unhappy prophet Jeremiah today. Um, And I mean unhappy only because this is a really long book in the Bible and a lot to get to. So where does he fit into the narrative of the Bible, the story of salvation history? Sure. So he fits in in a key time period um, overlapping the Babylonian exile. This is very important. And for readers and listeners, you can follow this in the uh, introduction to the Old Testament that we have, the Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, as well as um, the Bible. If you have the Ascension app, all of this is right there in the mm-hmm. Bible timeline. And that's really helpful because the, you can start to see where all of these pieces fit in salvation history. And I think the Babylonian exile is one of those key pieces. So in 586 or 587, the temple is destroyed in Jerusalem. So he, he's before that, and he overlaps that. So he starts about the mid-600s B.C., and he continues into and after the the beginning of the Babylonian exile. Um, So he's kind of a key prophet during that time. So obviously the exile and the destruction of the temple are, are two of them, but what are the key events in the book of Jeremiah? Well, I would say those are those are the key they events. Are. I mean, so okay. Jeremiah begins to preach. He's, he's really uniquely positioned. He and, and Ezekiel, as we'll come to, I think, in a later segment sometime in the weeks or months ahead, um, they are the two prophets who are not of the, of the Old Testament, 
of the uh, books of the prophets, who are not just prophets, they're also priests. Mm. And Jeremiah has the role to preach to the kings. So he is, there's several kings. He begins during the reign of Josiah. Um, and so that's during, it's one of the few righteous Davidic kings. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremiah begins his preaching ministry during that time, and the Lord is telling him that the Babylonians are going to come in. And so he has the role of telling the, the kings, um, you know, Babylon is going to be is going to be taking Israel into exile, and and you basically need to submit. He, this is one of those hard messages he has: is he's telling the kings that you need to submit. God is ordaining; He's using Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to wipe out you. And um, and this is like a message that they don't want to hear. I was going to say so, they're not too pleased with uh, Jeremiah, right? Don't don't they put right. him in stocks and and whatnot? He's in he's in prison. They try to have him executed. Um, He's in a rough spot. and In some ways, he's a figure of Christ to come. He has mm-hmm. to be uh, falsely accused. He's thrown in prison. He's beaten. He's, uh, they, just, he, they say he's deserving of death. So there's a lot of parallels, actually, with Jeremiah and the life of Jesus. And then, of course, you have the Babylonians take out Jerusalem. They, they remove King Jehoiakim, and they replace him with Zedekiah, um, the king, and and. Jeremiah stays in Jerusalem. The temple gets destroyed, and he follows, despite the Lord telling Israel not to flee to Egypt. Um, some of the Jews who remain, many are taken into Babylonian captivity. People don't often realize this, but some flee into Egypt, actually, mm-hmm. to be protected from Nebuchadnezzar. Never a good place it, to go. Not a, no, that's exactly right. It's not a good <laughs> place to go. And uh, they don't learn their lesson, so Jeremiah follows them there, which is where he probably dies eventually. Wow. Um, yeah, those are the big events. So give us the general outline of of this book and what he has to say. I know that in in the guide to the old Te- the Catholic guide to the Old Testament, you have sort of an outline that that breaks it up to give us some key themes as as you go throughout this book. Um yeah, the outline's not not in my head nor do I have the book handy, but I would say the way I would divide it up, I would look at it as you have the preachings. He's, he's giving the preachings of woe, right? Mm-hmm. And so initially you're going to have, this is going to be similar, you're going to have something similar happen in Ezekiel and in Isaiah. But you have the preachings of woe. This, this is what's going to happen, and this is why. And then it's not just, you don't have just Israel that is going to be preached at, but some of the other nations as well. But at the end what you have is you also have hope of return and redemption. It's not all death and doom and woe is me. And so we think of him as a prophet of doom, but there's a lot of hope, and I think for me, the most important part comes in chapter 31. Oh yeah, right, because this is the only time in the entire Old Testament where we actually hear that phrase, "New Covenant." Mm. So there is this, you know, we talk about Jesus and the New Covenant. New Testament and New Covenant are the same word in Greek, right? Kine diatheke, New Testament, um, New Covenant. The same word, and in Latin, there's something similar going on with testamentum, covenant, will, uh, testament. And so the only time we actually hear those words, that phrase, in the entire Old Testament is Jeremiah 31, in fact, verse wow. 31. Yeah. And the only time we see Jesus use that phrase in the New Testament is at the Last Supper, where he says, this is the new and everlasting covenant in my blood, in, in Luke chapter 22. And so um, Jeremiah talks about, okay, there's this destruction, this is, you know, everything is going um, not to hell in a handbasket, but, but to destruction. 
in a handbasket. And he says, but the Lord will make a new covenant. And it's really interesting. It's not like the covenant of old. And yet then he goes through and describes the covenant of old <laughs> with Moses. And so the new covenant, there is a way in which it is similar to, but different from, that covenant of old. And it's pointing forward to the coming of Jesus and the new Passover and a new Exodus. Well, there is so much more to learn about the book of Jeremiah. We've just barely scratched the surface, but you can read more about it in A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You can find all of our guests linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iran-backed groups in the Middle East. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said U.S. forces are carrying out President Biden's order for a serious response, which is now underway. The comments come after two rounds of strikes in Syria, Iraq and Yemen over the weekend. Sullivan noted the U.S. intends to, quote, take additional strikes to send a clear message that the U.S. will respond when forces are attacked or Americans are killed. Pope Francis has said peace is the responsibility of the entire human family. The Pope made a plea for peace in the world during his weekly Angelus address yesterday. He also noted those in Rome this week to commemorate the World Day of Prayer and Awareness Awareness Against Human Trafficking, which takes place on Thursday, the Feast of St. Josephine Bikita. Pope Francis said many young people are deceived with false promises and then subjected to exploitation and abuse. He called human trafficking a dramatic global phenomenon. In his Angelus Address Catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday Gospel, encouraging the faithful to follow the Lord's example. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Follow the Lord's example and set forth transmitting faith and hope in our loving God. The Holy Father urged the faithful to look at Jesus' ongoing movement, observing it tells us something important about God, and at the same time challenges us with some questions on our faith. Jesus, the Pope went on to say, goes toward wounded humanity and shows us the face of the Father. While some, the Pope observed, still may perceive somewhat of a distant God, on the contrary, he says, the gospel lets us see that Jesus, after teaching in the synagogue, goes out so that the word he has preached may reach, touch, and heal people. By doing this, the Pope said Jesus reveals to us that God is not a detached master who speaks to us from on high. On the contrary, he is a father filled with love who makes himself close to us who visits our homes. We might ask ourselves, Pope Francis suggested, have we discovered the face of God as the Father of mercy? Or do we believe and proclaim a cold and distant God? Do we pray just to feel at peace? Or does the word we listen to and preach make us go out like Jesus toward others to spread God's consolation? Let us look, Pope Francis urged, at Jesus' journeying and remind ourselves that our first spiritual task is this, to abandon the God we think we know and to convert every day to the God Jesus presents to us in the gospel. 
the father of love and compassion. Vicinanza, compassione e tenerezza. Questo è l'atteggiamento di Dio. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. A long-awaited bipartisan deal to secure the U.S.-Mexico border and provide aid to allies has been unveiled. The full bill totals just under $120 billion, with roughly $20 billion going towards the border. It provides aid to Israel and Ukraine, as well as to other foreign policy priorities. In the deal, asylum screenings would be raised, and the practice known as catch-and-release done away. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he will bring it to the floor this week. Former President Trump says it will be a little while before he selects a running mate, but he did mention some names who are and aren't under consideration. More from Mark Mayfield. Speaking on Fox Sunday Morning Futures, Trump said he talks to everybody and has a lot of good people in mind. He singled out South Carolina Senator and former GOP presidential candidate Tim Scott, saying he told Scott he's a much better candidate for Trump than he was for himself. Trump said he also likes South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who he said commented publicly she would never run against him because she could never beat him. Despite reports that the Trump campaign reached out to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Trump said it never happened. I'm Mark Mayfield. A storm that's been hitting much of California hard is expected to bring dangerous conditions to Orange County and San Diego today and tomorrow. Eight Southern California counties have been placed under a state of emergency with the risk of flooding and high winds. The National Weather Service called yesterday one of the most dramatic weather days in recent memory. memory nearly 700,000 customers without power as of early this morning. That's the news. It's 35 past the... If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. What does the church say about organ transplants? We live in a world in which progress comes so quickly that some people never grasp the concept of one innovation before it's already made obsolete by even greater developments. That certainly is true of advancements in the medical field. Science has made it possible for doctors to accomplish today what was unheard of just a few years ago. Among these remarkable achievements is the broad area of human organ transplants, by which an organ donated by a total stranger can permit someone to have a new lease on life. Many of us were alive when the first organ transplant was carried out. The Church encourages the donation of organs to help sustain the lives of others. But there are conditions that must be met. Anything that would place an unreasonable risk or which might threaten the life of the donor is morally unacceptable. And every potential organ donor or appropriate proxy must give full consent. For more information, consult your local pastor or refer to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2296. From Sacred Heart Radio, this is Deacon Bill Mullaney.
the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bear Wozniak. We've been going through his book, 12 Rules for Manliness, and uh, some of the ways that uh, we can be better as Catholic men of not falling into some of the traps uh, that are out there in the culture. Bear, good morning. Good morning. Aloha, Matt. So we get to talk about providing and protecting, among other things, today. You know, a lot of the way that the world is wired is for you to go and get what you can for yourself, get your best education that you can so you can make as much money as you can, maybe have children, maybe get married, maybe not. Uh, But uh, in terms of, like, historically how good men have viewed themselves, this idea of being providing and protecting for someone besides yourself— um, has been a theme that, that we've kind of lost sight of a lot. Yeah, it, was, it really is what makes, makes you a man, is taking on responsibility uh, uh, and facing adversity and uh, providing and protecting. And, you know, we have a real problem in, in the world today and in America with young men uh, not uh, seeking relationships with women and not marrying women and not having children. And they say it can be a the danger of a great implosion if we don't start having more children. Uh, but the good news is that as, as Christians, I remember I was, at, uh, I was at the Napa Institute, and someone asked Archbishop Chaput, what is the key, what is one of the best evangelistic methods that you could, uh, programs that you think we could use? And he said, oh, that's easy. Get married, have a lot of children, bring them up with the Lord, in the Lord. That, that's the Lord's gospel plan, and you can see that you know, that fruitfulness among Catholics, but pro- protecting and providing, having the courage to, to uh, seek out and have a relationship with a woman and, mar- you know, and marry her and protect her and provide her. You know, as a tandem surfer, uh, my number one job is to protect that woman. Uh, I had uh, my wife was surfing with another man. Uh, when I first met her in Florida, I was, I was coaching her and another guy how to tandem surf. He kept dropping her and hurting her. And uh, when you uh, hurt a woman as a tandem surfer, your tandem career is over. You don't protect that woman. And so my job as a tandem surfer is to paddle out, lead, you know, by choosing the wave, uh, catching the wave, lifting the woman, and then protecting her as she does all these extreme lifts. So we need men who will protect women and lift women. We need to be, we need to be, men, that, need, need to be men that respect them and lift them. And, uh, and men just don't do that anymore. But we, we need our young men to be courageous and, our, and to seek out um, uh, a woman, a good woman, that they can cherish and love. Yeah, and to reset our priorities, because, again, uh, the, the way that you know, things are wired is for, for people to get you know, the best education they can, make the most money they can, uh, you know, mm. not, not really give themselves to anybody, not commit to anything. Uh, and mm. you know what? Interestingly enough, uh, employers are keyed into this. Of course, employers don't want you to get married and have a family. That means less time for you to be at work, right? Mm. Corporations uh, are, are are very keyed in this. But I, I do mm. find that when it uh, comes to all kinds of different surveys, and, and I see this, uh, you know, as well, just all the time uh, around me, people want to be content creators and they want to be influencers. Well, I can tell you the number <laughs> one way to create content and influence. Oh. Is to have a family, right? Oh you will be God, you yeah. will be completely content creating nonstop, yeah. and I guarantee you, you will be an influencer. Yeah. Oh man, you nailed it. When I when I was out in Montana in, in November, I got to go to a lot of college campuses and and uh, meet with uh, the young men, and then and then also with the whole church, and and, and sometimes uh, you know, and the young women would be there. Uh, they were 
they were desperate for these young men to be to act like men. You know, uh, Paul said to said to to uh, his one of his charges in Corinthians was act act like men. And then he followed that with the sentence that says, do all things in love. And so that's what a man is. He's a man who really seeks the true good for others. Isn't it interesting that God put us in a world where we are dependent on other people? You know, it's amazing to me when you go into, you go into a third-world country and you wonder, how did this food even get to my table with our lack of infrastructure and everything else? But we're, this, we're, meant, we're meant to live out our lives in relationship. And so, and the, that greatest that greatest of relationships is to find someone to marry and have courage. Um, I think the key scripture verse for young men today is the one that the angel said to Joseph: "Do not be afraid to take Mary to you as your wife. Don't be afraid to marry. You know what? You might be you might you might get caught up in the maelstrom, and your your marriage may end up in 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 in, in, in not lasting, not working out. But a, a real man will take that step." The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth for a man whose heart is totally yielded to him, that he might strongly support him. So I know, Matt, uh, when I was young, and I, I was a hippie kind of era, and then came the yuppies, and I used to look around, and i go, what's going on here? I was starting a career and struggling to provide for my family, and then I saw these other guys, that these couples or people, I would call them yuppies with their puppies. You know, they didn't have children. And so we need, uh, we need people that will... Um, Ride for the brand, and, 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 that, and part of riding for that brand is to, to marry a woman of honor and to protect her and provide for her and cherish her and love her and lift her. And to be a man of honor in the process, you know, just from a practical standpoint, turns out that here I am looking around my world, and I happen to know uh, several high-quality, virtuous, rock-solid, awesome single women and people are like, ah, we got to find somebody for 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 so and so. They're so amazing, you know. They'd be such a great, you know, mom. They'd be so great in a family. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know, but like two good dudes. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I just don't know enough. I know a lot more good women than I know good men at this age. Oh, that is tragic to hear. You know, I'll tell you what. I I put I'm actually a I put a lot of couples together. It's <laughs> uh, in the tandem surfing world. I'll say, now, that guy and that woman, they would be really good as a tandem team, you know, because it's, it's professional. It's not like you're looking to be a couple. But um, I've had a lot of marriages and children come out of my putting this man and this woman together, and I think it's because there's something about that dynamic on that tandem surfboard of the man being in a leadership role and the man protecting this woman, and the woman sees that man and sees that he's, he's valiant, and the woman, and she learns to respect him, and he he inspires trust in her, that she trusts in him. He inspires that trust. And there's just something about that whole dynamic. But I, I have put together, like, I don't know if I'm a Cuban, but I have a lot of a lot of couples together. Of course, the ultimate one is with my, with my wife, Cindy. But, um, but there's some kind of dynamic in that of a man leading. He chooses the wave. He, he paddles hard. He lifts her. He protects her. It's something we can all, you know, aspire to in our in our relationships is to have a relationship like that. Well, I don't know what they're talking about on other radio shows this morning, but we're talking about matchmaking and tandem surfing here on the Sunrise Morning <laughs> Show here. So, uh, Bear Wozniak, if our listeners want to get your book, 12 Rules for Manliness, how do they do so? Uh, well, yeah, they can go to Sophia Institute Press or DeepAdventure.com, our website, uh, Amazon, 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Awesome. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you, Bear. Have a wonderful day. Okay, man. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you, Bear.
Thank you, Matt. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Stephanie Mann joins us to continue our series on Father Henry Sebastian Bowden's Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors. So if you've got your copy, turn to February 6th. That will be the entry that we are discussing this morning with Stephanie. Plus headlines, it's a quarter till. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. It's always harder to get out of bed when it's cold outside. So give yourself something to look forward to, like Mystic Monk Coffee for the first cup of the day. You can find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, and we earn a commission on anything you buy through that link. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can buy through our online store. Check out the mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Just a Guy in the Pew podcast features Catholic man to Catholic man talk in real honest conversations from the heart, discussing the struggles, challenges, and unimaginable joy of following Christ. You can hear Just a Guy in the Pew as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates around the world, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTN.com slash radio and click Podcast Central today. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Coming up on 12 Till here on the Sunrise Morning Show, let's take a look at headlines. A top White House official says the U.S. intends to launch more airstrikes against Iran-backed groups in the Middle East, this coming after two rounds of strikes in the Middle East over the weekend. Pope Francis called again for peace around the world and called peace the responsibility of the entire human family. And the Holy Father has sent a message to a conference in Abu Dhabi marking the fifth anniversary of the document on human fraternity, which he signed five years ago. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. Go read her blog at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Anna. Good to talk to you. It is good to talk to you. We have quite the story to yes. discuss this morning, um, one of the the stories that is recounted in Mementos of the English Martyrs yes. and Confessors by Father Henry Sebastian 
Bowden. And I tell you what, I really appreciate the fact that he brings out the stories of of those who who were such well confessors as he calls yes. them mm-hmm. um who who didn't necessarily die for the faith but were were so firm in their faith in this mm-hmm. this time of persecution in England. So today we are talking about Margaret Powell. Uh tell us a little bit about her life. Well, she does have some parallels with some of the great martyr martyred women of the mm-hmm. English Reformation. She was married to a Protestant gentleman. And yet she was allowed to practice her faith and actually allowed to raise their only son, from what I could tell from the source that Father Bowden uh, consults, uh, as a Catholic, too, and allow priests come to his house. Uh, and uh, and that's what she did. She had priests coming to her house to say mass. She helped, went to the uh, priests in prison to help them, and she raised her son, as I said, as a Catholic. And in fact, he was serving mass the day that a priest was celib- was uh, arrested in her home wow. and uh, and went and he and she and her son went off to prison with the the priest uh, who would be later martyred blessed thomas bullocker a uh, franciscan martyr so that yes that, that just that fascinating background that in the midst of and this is in the this is in the reign of charles the first so i mean this means the catholics have been suffering this you know really from the from the beginning of the reign of of elizabeth the first through the confusions of James the first reign when they thought there might be some lessening of the burdens and, and uh, uh, restrictions on them. And then the gunpowder plot blows up in their face and, and it gets worse yeah. and Charles the first. So this is, these people have been suffering this and handing this suffering down for a couple of generations. Now this wow. has been going on and into this 10 year old boy who's serving mass the day that a priest and his mother and he are arrested and taken off to prison. It's unbelievable. So tell us about um, this trial that that she was in. Oh, and this this was what also was fun for me was I, I did see Father Bowden's source for this. He cites a, a Mrs. Anne Hope's Franciscan mm. Martyrs in his introduction. So I found it online and Mrs. Ann Hope was fun too because she, of course, is a new in connection. She became Catholic after reading yes. church history. <laughs> went off to live in Birmingham so she could be to Cardinal near uh, Newman. What else would you do? I mean, yeah, <laughs> for real. In these cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's Newman all the time. So she uh, uh, was she was in, at her trial, and the, they tried to convince her, like as they would, since she was merely a woman, to uh, renounce the Catholic faith. And she says, why would I do that? <laughs> It's the true faith. I've been living in it all my life. I can't do that. I would rather die than do that. And it it even has this note that her eloquence, her modest and courageous bearing, and her presence of mind touched even the Protestants who were present. And then the judges realized that they were being worsted in the the conflict, and so they sent her back to prison. (laughs) They were provoking laughter among the crowd. So that wasn't working for them. But then the, the real moment of her, you might even say kind of a, double conversion is that she finds out that she is not going to be hanged to death for her faith. Hmm. And she had been, I guess, as someone would, hearing they're convicted and sentenced to death, she'd been preparing for it. And then she hears she's not going to be. And for a moment, she's disappointed. And then she realized, no, this is God's providence. I'm supposed to continue in this work. That's what God has wanted me to do. So I shouldn't repine because I don't get to to do what I wanted to do most of all, which is suffer for my faith. I just have a new way of suffering. 
So, I mean, that, that's also remarkable. To, what a, Like you say, what a, a strong and amazing representation of the faith and persistence in the faith, even when you don't get to suffer for the faith the way you thought you were going to. It's, it's amazing. What a position she was in. I mean, the last couple of lines in, in this entry in, in Father Bowden's book says she was sent back to prison and there on hearing that Father Bullocker was condemned to death, but that her sentence was deferred, she burst into tears, yet quickly recovering herself, she offered her new lease of life to God as obediently as she had accepted death. I mean, what a yes. moment to, and, and what a lesson for all of us, Stephanie, yes. in, in accepting what God wills for us, whether that be something as, shall we say, grandiose as being martyred for the faith mm -hmm. or being sent to prison to be largely forgotten until, you know, this book comes out again in, in the 2020s. Yes. yes, that's true. And the, and the uncertainty that, one, one thing is death is certain. Yeah. We know it's certain anyway, but you know, sure. having a sense of death is a certainty. But now she has to figure out what what do I do now? I mean, will I be released from prison? I think I think she was. You know, will my my son and I be able to continue to hear mass? Will we be able to continue to serve at mass as he did? You know, so she's got she does have to plan this new lease of life and dedicate it to God in a new completely new way than she had been facing mm -hmm. before. So it is it is a a great. And I, I, the reason I think they were released is Father Bowden uses this beautiful analogy because he always chooses a, a scripture verse and he yep. uses the analogy of the Sunamite woman whom Alicia visited and he promises her that she'll have a son in his, her husband's old age. She has oh, a right. son and then the son dies and then Alicia saves the son. So I think that that's Father Bowden's way of indicating that, yes, she and her son survived. They continued and and maybe and died persevering in the faith years later uh, or at some point in the future of their lives and who knows what happened to that little boy we don't have that detail but i think he's giving us that sign that yes they they got out of they got out of prison and they continued in that life because of that parallel with the Sunamite woman in uh, the book of in the story of alicia and, and what and a her, cool parallel the when you think about yes. the the bread that um, yes. he would turn into her house to eat bread as often as he passed that way and thinking about that in terms of of holy mass being said at her house yes yes margaret powell is the great woman blessed thomas is the prophet alicia and the bread is the holy mass that's wow. bowden's analogy and so i think it's just beautiful it's it's one of his one of the best selections of uh, and surprising selections of verse and title but it fits so beautifully with this story. It really does. And there is so much more that you can read on Stephanie's blog. One of the things that I most appreciate about this series is how much digging she does to put more <laughs> meat on the bones of what we get in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors, which you can find from Sophia Institute Press. And of course, you can find Stephanie linked, as always, at sunrisemorningshow.com in our show notes. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good week. You do the same. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.